Wonderful to see all of you uh, back this evening. It's great to be back on Sunday nights, isn't it? And it's great to see Tommy and Altelanius here. Hot diggity dogs. I'm glad to see you all walk in. So glad to have, uh, have you. So glad to have all of you here this evening as we worship our Lord and Savior. How do you appreciate things? And what I mean by that is, if, if I were to show you something, what would you think about it? What sort of value would you place upon it? Now, if I were to tell you I'm wearing a tie pin, you would think, well, sure, Dale, you've got a tie on. I expect you to wear a tie pin. If I told you what it was made of, if it was made of gold or silver or some other precious metal, you would think, hmm, that's nice, Dale. Kind of ticks that up a little bit, doesn't it? Then if I were to tell you that it was a gift from Melita, Wow, Dale, that's, uh, that's even better. I'm sure you, you love that tie pin. And if I were to tell you finally, it's our one-year anniversary that she gave to me back in 1999. That adds a bit more preciousness to it, doesn't it? Helps you see how precious the gift is to me. And you have gifts that people give you, and they'll tell you, well, this... This wooden box was made from the forest of Botswana, you know. And that lets you know that it's, it's rather an exotic gift. Or perhaps it's some other metal, or, or where it came from, or if it's a recipe. You know, this, this is my great-grandmother's recipe, and I make it every year for Thanksgiving. These items carry a certain weight of value to us, and as we learn more and more about the story of whatever it might be, whether it's a tie-pin or a recipe, or, or a picture that you have. As you learn the qualities and the characteristics of it, it, it makes you appreciate it a bit more. That's how gifts are, quite often. Let's turn to James chapter 1, please. Let's turn to James chapter 1. We're going to learn tonight about one of God's gifts that He gave us. James chapter 1, verse 17, it says... Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James here is talking about gifts of God, and one of the things that God has given us is His Son as our Savior to live on this earth, to die for us, to redeem us from our sins, we're going to talk this evening about what qualities that gift has, what qualities that gift of Christ possess, and hopefully we'll see a bit more value in Christ. Because maybe sometimes we miss out on the value that is Christ. I know we realize it and understand it, but maybe if we look at it a little closer, we can really see the value of God's unspeakable gift, God's indescribable gift, God's perfect gift that comes from above. In the previous verses of James chapter 1, he tells the people to be careful of sin. Look at verse 14. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So he's warning them of sin, the things that people are attracted to, and then he says, do you not know that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above? Don't look at sin 
as a gift. Don't look at something that is sinful and think, I've got to have more and more of that. No, you've got to get away from those types of things and start looking more to Christ. God's gift of Christ surpasses all other gifts, perhaps, that James was talking about here. And as a gift, Jesus, He was not for sale. He was not given to be withdrawn as we might need Him. The gift of Jesus was not something that we could take back or return, like a Christmas gift we didn't want anyway. Christ was not loaned. Christ was a gift to this world. He was given as a teacher. He was given as an example. He was given as a sacrifice, as a mediator between us and God, and as a king to reign over us. So tonight, let's look at what type of gift Jesus was. And hopefully, we can appreciate Him just a bit more. First off, Christ was, or is rather, an unmerited gift. We are unworthy of the gift of Christ. And sometimes as we come into this building and sit down comfortably, and Consider the scriptures that I, that Brother Barry, that other teachers try to bring before you. Sometimes this point, points like it, are missed. But Christ is an unmerited gift. God didn't look at us and say, look at how worthy those people are. I'm going to send them my son. No, but rather he said, they're going to be a tore up people. They're going to be a people that need forgiveness. They're going to be a people that need someone to die for them someday. And so because of God's love, He gave us His Son, even though it is very much unmerited. What if you give a gift to someone you didn't like, and maybe who didn't like you? That's kind of tough to do, isn't it? That maybe you draw their name at work, oh, that's the last person I want to give a gift to. You know, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do that, but you do it anyway because office politics. You know, gotta, gotta give the gift of the name that you that you drew. Or maybe you did finally give it to them, but they perhaps did not appreciate it. You think, well, they don't even deserve this. Well, we don't deserve Christ, but because of God's love, He sent Him down for us. And consider, if you will, the striking contrast between the gift and its recipients. Jesus is holy, wise, loving, and powerful. Man is wicked, and man is ungrateful. The Israelites, and I've loved the study that Brother Jim and I did, and that Brother Barry is continuing, but the Israelites in the book of Jeremiah did not appreciate all that God had done for them. So they lived as they wanted. They lived as they wished. They lived not according to God's Word, but according to their own fleshly desires, and God warned them, and warn them, and warn them, and finally, He passed judgment upon them. Let's look at Psalm chapter 14, please. Psalm chapter 14 talks about the folly and the wickedness of man. And if we can only grasp how wicked we can be sometimes. Well, I'm not murdering anybody, Dale. I didn't run over anybody on the way to church. You know, I get all that. But the way our heart is, the way our heart should be as it relates to our fellow man, as it relates to our Heavenly Father, is something that we need to consider. Because 
the, the best of us a lot of times can have a really, really terrible side to ourselves. And unless we're able to see that, all we'll ever see is that however we feel and whatever we say or do is okay. No, we've got to see how we sometimes fall short of the example of our gift that we were given, that of Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 14 says this, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. is, Is there anyone? You know, we have a glimpse of what God did in Scripture as He looked down at the people in the book of Jeremiah. But what's He think about us? What's He think about our country? What's He think about the world? I know what He thinks about the world overall. But what's He think about us here in Cottontown, Tennessee? Is He, is he looking down upon us? And, and perhaps if, if we were in biblical times, would He be in, inspiring you know, Brother John to write a letter to us and say, hey, I love what you're doing there in Cottontown. You know, you've done some great works. Or would he be saying, you need to consider the sin that's in your life. You need to consider what you're doing. Because sometimes we do not do that. Is there anybody in Cottontown at the Birdwells Chapel Church of Christ who seeks after God? They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Man must realize how low he is, but that God does care for him. Because unless we realize how low we are, We won't realize how much we truly need God. Turn to Psalm chapter 8, please. Psalm chapter 8. I was just talking to Cassie a little while ago. You know, she's going to go to Freed Hardman this fall. Melita and I met there. A lot of our other students are are graduating, moving away to college. You know, there was nothing better than getting a package of cookies from Mom. Oh, man, that was good. I was, you know, tired of uh, the cafeteria food and and to have something that reminded you of home. Man, that was, that was a, something good. And it just, you know, lifted you up. And you start to realize how precious things like that are. And until we realize how low we are, we will not realize how much we need God. Like when you get a gift like that, when you get a card, when you get an email or a text from someone who cares about you, and that comes your way, you think, man, I needed that. We must realize how, how low we are in, in our sinful lives so that we can realize how much we need God. Psalm chapter 8, beginning with verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make Him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet. Who is man that you should think of Him, Lord? Who is man that you should bless Him with the richness of this earth? Verse 7, All sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. So Christ is an unmerited gift to us. And we realize, when we realize our need, we will realize just how weighty a matter that is in our spiritual life. Next, Christ is also a voluntary gift. Often we present gifts because we are forced to do so, or because others give to us, then we have to reciprocate and, and give to them. But Jesus, He was a voluntary gift. 
God was not forced. He did not give with the hope that you know, people are just going to see and how great and glorious that it is because it's going to be difficult for us to realize that. It's going to be difficult at times for us to see, as I just said a moment ago, how lowly we are and how much we need Him. But God said, you know, I, I can't worry about that. I'm going to give them my Son because that's how they will get to me. I'm sure He thought there will be many who see the value in that. I wonder what sort of questions He asked Himself during the days of Noah or during the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and how evil those places and the world was at that time. But nevertheless, God gave Jesus as a voluntary gift. It was also voluntary on the part of Jesus. Jesus who healed people, Jesus who did so many miracles, who who walked on the water, who turned water into wine, who fed 5,000 people with a couple of baskets of food. Don't you think he could have gotten away? There were times even he, uh, he appeared to disappear or be, be, uh, create the others the effect that he could not be seen by people even though he was right there in their midst. He would, he would just go away and escape. And he could have done that here. But Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. John 10 and verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. No one, he says in verse 18, has taken away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus voluntarily goes to the cross and endures that pain, even though at any moment He could have cried uncle and said, I'm done with this. But He went all the way through it because He saw the joy that would be beyond it. He saw the hope that that would bring the world. And He voluntarily gave that gift of His life. Galatians 1, 3, and 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. That's why He gave Himself. He wanted to rescue us from the evil that is in this world. He wanted to rescue you from the sin that entraps you, from the sin that you regret every day, and you say the next morning, I'm going to do better, and you fail again. And so you go to bed with guilt, and you wake up the next day, I'm going to do better this time, and you fail again. God sent His Son for moments like that, that you might be able to forgive yourself, because you know that your Heavenly Father forgives you, and He's not giving up on you. Next, Christ as a gift, it is a precious gift. I can't tell you how many times I've lost this type in. I can't tell you. I lose it, and well, there it is. It's always in the box where I put it. You know, I've just got too much stuff in there. But I get real nervous because I think I've lost it. Oh, no, I've I've lost this this precious type in that I I just love and cherish. When something is precious, you see, you want to take care of it. Jesus was definitely precious to His Father. This was not a a servant of God. This was not someone that that Jesus just picked off the street. This is God's Son that He sent down to earth to live as a man, to live among us, to fight temptation, to fight the ugliness of the world. He sent Him down and said, I'm going to send you to die for them so that I can forgive them. Because blood has to be shed, right? For a law to be in effect, someone must pass on. Hebrews chapter 10, I believe. 
And that's what God was. He came down and died for us so that we could have those sins forgiven. John chapter 3 and verse 16, I believe, captures the preciousness of the gift of our Savior as His sacrifice. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that word so there, for God so loved the world. We use the word love a lot. I love pizza. I love that car. I love the Titans. This goes beyond anything we could possibly comprehend. God so loved the world, so much. He loved it to such a degree that He would look past our evil ways, He would look past our wickedness, and He would say they need something. They need something that's precious. They need something that goes down and tries to work with them and tries to show them a better way. And I'm going to send my son, and he's going to do that. But some people, you know, don't see it as the precious gift that it is. What they do, though, is they, they know this verse. A lot of people know this verse really well. And some quote it and then go along their merry way, living life however they want. Slapping God, basically, square in the face. Because even though this is a gift to us, there are some things that, that we must do. You know, if you were to give somebody a gift and they threw it down and started stomping on it, that would not show that they cherished the gift. That would not show that they thought it was a precious gift. That would show they didn't care about it. That's how some people treat the precious gift of our Lord and Savior by how they live. Because Christ sacrificed Himself, we are to be a living sacrifice today. A living sacrifice so that we can show others and and be that person that God would have us to be. The Son's offering, it was precious as well. God gave His Son. Jesus Jesus loved His life. I'm sure there was a, a, a bit of self-esteem, not, a, not in a prideful way. But you know, Jesus, when He died, He had to give up His friends. He had to give up His family. He knew He had a greater calling, and that's what took Him to the cross. But this was a precious life that Jesus was giving up. He was giving up His life and His blood. And we commemorate that every Sunday with the Lord's Supper. That's how we show that it is precious to us. And may we not squander those moments either. Because the Lord's Supper, it is a symbol of that body that was broken and that blood that was shed. And whenever we commemorate it in this way, we are showing God, we are showing others, that is a precious moment to me. My family is obsessed with birthdays. We finally had to consolidate them because so many of us were born in, in December and January, so we have a big party then. Otherwise, we was over at each other's house every other week uh, down in the wintertime. But boy, if you don't show up, Mama's going to be mad. You know, Dale, why ain't you coming to this fifth birthday we've had this year for our family? So I've got to go to them. Somebody's got to blow out the candles, of course, on their own slice of cake these days because of COVID, but, you know, that's the way it is. Somebody's got to blow out the candles. Somebody's got to sing the birthday song. Me and Melita got to sing the birthday song we made up. I'll tell you all about that later. But those are precious moments, you see. Those are precious moments that my family cherishes. That moment on Sunday, the moments you spend in prayer, those times are precious. And whenever you conduct yourself in those moments... 
it shows you think and you believe this is a precious time. And let us not squander it. Our Lord and Savior should also be precious to the believer, as I've said. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, please. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. Jesus is the bright and morning, the morning star. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the lily of the valley. He is the chief among 10,000. And as we think of His example, think of His teachings, think of how He lived here. May His life be precious to us. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. And coming to Him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice cornerstone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. So Jesus is referred to in this passage as a cornerstone, and we are referred to as the stones that are built around it. The cornerstone, or sometimes around here, you know, we, have, we use capstones over doorways. Those are, those are precious stones, kind of holds it all together, does it not? And so you want and you need that cornerstone, but then you also need the other precious stones as well. And those stones should look at that cornerstone and admire it for what it is and be thankful that it does, all that it does. And we should be thankful for what Christ does in our life, for He should be precious to us. God's gift of Christ to mankind was also a gift of love. When you love someone, you give them gifts. Mother's Day is next Sunday, by the way. Don't forget that. It was love that prompted the gift of Christ. God so loved the world, we've read in John chapter 3 and verse 16. First John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 will give us a good glimpse further into how this gift was a gift of love. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait on people to get their act together. He didn't wait on them to become strong and, and mighty and united. But rather, He looked at us and He said, They're a helpless people. And while we were helpless, He says, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you have someone that hates you and you do something good for them, that requires love. That requires a great deal of self-discipline, of self-sacrifice to say, I know how you've treated me but I'm going to do this for you anyway. And it takes love. And that's what sent Christ to the cross, was that the fact that He was a gift of love. And finally, this gift of Christ was a comprehensive gift. 
It includes all other gifts, all that we need in time on this earth and in eternity. All that we need, we find in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So when we follow Christ, the gift that was sent down to us, we have all these other things as well. Wisdom, and righteousness, and we can be sanctified, and redeemed, so that we can boast in Christ. You know what? I'm forgiven. I have found peace with my fellow man. I have found peace among my friends. I have found peace with my spouse because of the gift of God that came down through Christ. Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things? God is for us. Who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And sometimes we miss out on the fact that this is a comprehensive gift, even though this verse here says, you know, don't fear anybody, because God is with you. And if God is with you, who can even conquer you at all? Who will be against you? And He's going to give us all things. And, you know, sometimes we miss out on that all things part because we're looking around and looking for wealth. We're looking for so many other things, and what we need to be doing is looking more for Christ in our life. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So whenever we look for things, we must be looking more for spiritual blessings rather than those monetary things. Remember Christmas morning? You know, and you were going to get some gifts. and You'd be like, oh, please don't be socks, please don't be socks. And it would be socks, you know, but hey, you needed that. You know, Mom got them for you because that's what you needed. Sometimes you get what you want, sometimes you get what you need. Well, whenever we think about Christ and His comprehensive gift, we get all that we need. We've just got to realize what it is we need, and it's spiritual blessings. For Jesus is the bread of life. He's referred to as the water of life, the way, the truth, the resurrection. Whenever we can realize the spiritual is more important than the temporal, we will see just how overarching the gift of Christ is. And we'll be able to see that it's a great thing. I love, I love socks, you know. I like getting them. And what I need to love more, though, and what we all need to love more, and see the good things that are in this life, are those that are spiritual and those that take us closer to God. He who refuses this gift of Christ sustains a great loss. Lots of promises are made for this gift. Lots of things are, are considered by people who, who want to accept this gift, and I hope that you will consider that this morning. As you see, the gift of, of God is Christ, and you know we refer back to John 3.16. And once again, I'll say, so many people know that verse and they, and they relish in it, but so many people miss the fact that Christ died so that you might be changed. Christ died so that you would be a different person, not the same old person. Some people use that as a get-out-of-jail-free verse, right? They use it so that they can live however they wish, and you just can't do that because the condition of this gift is a faithful life. If I were to tell you, you know, I have a gift up here, and if I were to 
If I were to sit it right there, I'd say, well, there it is. What would you have to do? You'd have to come up and get it, wouldn't you? You see, there's a condition on the gift that Christ has given us, and He wants us to change. He wants us to be more like Him every single day. And too many people are going the opposite direction and being more and more like the world every day, squandering this lovely gift from God. Don't let that person be you. But change your life this evening. Become a Christian. Be baptized. And be added to the body of Christ. Or if you need your sins forgiven, if you need prayers of the church, come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. And you can reestablish that connection with the gift that is Jesus Christ. Please come forward now as we stand and sing to encourage you.